0: This sermon was recorded at Highway San Jose in San Jose, California. If you'd like to find out more about Highway Community, you can head to www.highway.org.
1: This is the second week of our series, Making Room. And um, this week we're talking about making room for one another. And what it means to um, really function as a community and care for each other, just like the animals in the story, which is a very sweet story. But the thing that I like about this story, it's actually a really great little snapshot of what it looks like to do community. And it sort of shows you both the benefits and the risks involved, right? Because there is a cost for the animals, for the friends that help the sick bear. Um, Without even realizing it, they make a sacrifice for their friends. And they actually end up catching his cold. Um, but something special happens in the story, right? It's a process the Bear feels really cared for. And then something uh, even more special happens at the end where it becomes like this mutual exchange where he then gets to care for them. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, many of the stories from Jesus' life uh, center around human connection, Some of them that we read about are just very brief moments in passing. Some of them are long, deep relationships over time, and there's pretty much everything in between. Um, But tonight, we're going to look at a story that teaches us Jesus' model for caring for one another, for giving and receiving uh, as a community. So we're going to read tonight uh, from John 13, so you can follow along with me. Um, Verses 1 through 17, it's kind of long. Hang in there with me, we'll get through it together. All right, we're good. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he had said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Okay, we made it. Made it through. Um, so, those of us that have been around church a little bit, this might be a very familiar story for you. It's certainly become a very um, symbolic uh, story about service. Um, I have a few observations about this passage, and we're going to kind of break through it from uh, the top to the bottom. So, in the beginning, we see they're gathering for a meal, it's kind of a big, uh, high-profile holiday, Passover festival, and... Um, Jesus gets into this ritual of washing the feet of his disciples, and it's a totally tense, uncomfortable, weird moment. And later in the passage, we'll sort of see that evidence by Peter's response to it. But here's why it catches them off guard. Here's why this is like kind of a shocking thing. And this is very like Jesus-esque um, of him to catch them off guard. But um, but what's surprising about this is not so much the actual act of foot washing because this was a ritual that was practiced. It was sort of a hygienic practice at that time. Um, but first of all, it's something that would have happened customarily at the beginning of uh, upon entering the home. Not necessarily, definitely not in the middle of a meal. Um, particularly because it was done for the purpose of hygiene. Um, because as you can imagine, they're walking around. Uh, They don't have the cool kicks that we have today. So their feet are dirty and gross by the time they come in for a meal. This is kind of an aspect of like washing up for dinner. So this is something that would have happened uh, right away. Um, And so the fact that Jesus does this like right in the middle of dinner, so to speak, um, he's trying to get their attention. He's trying to indicate the significance of what's happening. It's not just hygienic, why he's doing this. Um, Another reason why this would have been shocking for them is because Uh, This is not a highly sought after position in the household. This was a job that servants did. It was gross. Um, If I came and offered to wash your feet right now, you'd probably be like, oh, that's a little uh, too intimate. Um, And your feet are much cleaner than theirs would have been. So this is not a job that you would expect the guest of honor to perform. So this is another reason why uh, we should take note of what's happening, It's, it's symbolic. So then we see Peter's response in verses 6 to 9. And can I just tell you that I really, really relate to Peter. So just uh, be gentle in your heart as I share why, because he is kind of a hot mess. Um, In a lot of of the stories that we see of Peter, he just is kind of like jumping in with both feet. Um, he doesn't always think through to the end of his interactions or the things that he initiates. Um, they don't always end well. And we see time and time again his relationship with Jesus. Jesus, like, sometimes he reprimands him. Sometimes he's very patient with him. Um, but this is a really common thing where Peter just kind of, like, responds from his gut. Um, and it's, it's awkward. And he... Uh, he in this instance when he says to Jesus, like, no, no way, no way are you gonna be degraded to that level that you would wash my feet. This person that I have given up everything to follow, there's no way that I'm gonna let you degrade yourself in this way. So he's motivated by his love for Jesus. And it's easy for us now to sort of zoom out and be like, oh, there's Peter. Like, he doesn't know, like, well, well he's just like a hasty guy. But, but in the moment, like, you know, does does this ever happen to you? Where you're so so kind of caught up in the plans or the logistics or the details, like this is not how it's supposed to work. That's basically what Peter's saying. And um, it's stressing him out or something. And he totally misses the mark because he's so busy worrying about Jesus that he's kind of missing the opportunity to just like be blessed by him. And I certainly find myself sometimes getting so caught up in the details and the logistics and the plans and how it's supposed to work that I struggle to be in the moment sometimes and just sort of like let God show me what will happen. Um, So I love it. It's very honest. It's not rehearsed. It's not very well thought out. It's not very polished. And another thing that I think is significant about what we see between Peter and Jesus is that he is not caught up in, like, sounding right or looking right. He just kind of, like, barrels forward because he's so eager to engage with Jesus that he's, like, not worried about looking super put together. Um, And that's another thing that I wish I could be better at. And uh, I think there are some ways to practice that. But this is a cool model for us of, like, this exchange with Jesus that's, like, just bearing kind of who you are, coming to God as you are. Okay, my notes, all over my notes, it says, keep it short, keep it short, keep it short. I'm trying. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so uh, it's a long passage. Uh, In verse 10, Jesus kind of gets into the symbolism of what's happening. So he says, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean. So he's... uh, he's sort of highlighting that there's more going on here than just the hygienic part, which, we, which I mentioned already. Um, he's talking about, I've seen in this passage sort of three levels at least of what's going on here. There's a physical act of meeting a need. There is a relational act of connection and making it personal. And then there is a spiritual act of ultimately healing and having sort of a shared human experience together. So uh, obviously the physical act is he washes their feet. Why? Because their feet are dirty. He sees a need and he meets it. Um, he's not like looking for something. He's not inventing something. He notices and he, and he responds to it. So there's a physical, that's the physical level. Um, but I thought about this and like, again, Jesus is the guest of honor right? So rather than just using his influence to have the problem solved, he like gets down on his knees and does it himself. And I think like it could have been very easy for him to just say like, oh, you know what? I see that your feet, they're dirty. They need to be washed. And I, and I care for you and I don't want you to have dirty feet. So you know what? Let me get someone to come take care of that for you. Right? He had that power. He had that authority. Um, but rather than delegate that or use his influence, he made it personal. And he chose to like, interact directly with that person to address it. Um, he's saying, I see your need. I'm choosing to care about it. And I'm going to do what it takes for you to feel cared for in this moment, like myself. Uh, and the spiritual level to this is that by by engaging in this moment with this person, by getting into the relational level with that person, there then becomes this sort of acknowledged, like shared human experience together. Like we're engaged in this moment together and something bigger than us happens because of that. And And there's this sort of gift now of solidarity and belonging because... We're doing something together. So this says, keep it short. I'm gonna try. Um, I told this story on Tuesday to the women's group. So if you were there, you've already heard this. So, uh, so you know the ending. Um, but uh, so a story in my life of kind of this like multifaceted community feeling of being in it with someone like in a real way. Uh, when Andrew and I were newlyweds, we a uh, couple months after we got married, we got pregnant unexpectedly. And then 4 weeks later, we miscarried unexpectedly. And so over the course of 5 about 5 months, we like got married, like got pregnant and then weren't pregnant anymore and it was just as you can imagine like a total roller coaster of emotions and grief and confusion and a lot of questions, but one thing about that time of our life, we were the first ones out of our group of friends, out of our peer community to get married. And not just like the first ones that summer, but like none of our friends were even really dating at the time. Um, And so by the end of our little like stint of ups and downs, by the end of that period, uh, we were now like three kind of big life steps removed from the experience of our friends. So they did an awesome job of coming around us at that time um, with what, you know, with the support that they could offer, and they loved on us, but they totally, like, could not understand or relate to it at all. Um, and it was, for me especially, it was very painful. It was a long process of dealing with, you know, it was our first experience with loss. It was very, it a life-changing experience, for sure. And um, And then, you know, we worked through it, and I remember about six months after that, so now about a year after it all took place, I remember... Uh, getting a phone call from my best friend who used to live here in the area. And so at the time she was like right down the street from me when she called. And she called to tell me that she had just finished reading a book I had told her about, you know, six months before. Um, And the book was all about the author's experience with miscarriage and Um, you know, the grieving process and the healing process. And I remember, like, that book was kind of like the beginning of the healing process for me, and it really helped me kind of to hear from someone else's words and sort of put my own feelings into words. Um, And so that, it was very, um, very impactful. And I remember telling her about it. And then fast forward to the phone call. She calls me, and she says to me in tears on the phone, I just finished reading that book you told me about and i am so sorry for what you went through and she's just like crying and then i was crying and um and there was something profound happens when somebody chooses to opt in to to what to your stuff right Like, what a a gift for my, like, single sort of carefree friend living by herself in her apartment. Like, that image in my mind of her sitting there by herself reading a book about some other woman's experience of loss that has, like, nothing to do with her. And the only reason that she took that on was to, like, take one more step closer to me and to, like, try to to empathize with something, like, just for me. And it was a game changer, you guys. Like, it, it... any of us that have been on either end of that type of exchange knows that, like, that is a game changer, right? We were never closer after that, and, um, and we both kind of took something away. So it's really powerful stuff. Okay, at the end of the passage, verses 12 to 17, Jesus, kind of as usual, he sort of summarizes with this challenge to kind of shift your worldview. Okay. This is not. He challenges them to um, to look beyond sort of the social and cultural lines that divide them, and to share life together and be kingdom minded in this way. So he he reminds them that we are called, all of us, to do life together, to engage with one another in mutual and dignifying ways. So that whole thing about, like, the messenger and the one who sent him and the master and the servant, he's saying, like, it does not matter. It does not matter that I am Jesus and you are Peter. And from your perspective, the wisdom only flows in one direction between us. He's saying, that's not, that's not how this works. We all get to share in this together. And we all get to benefit and take the risks together. And when we do that, we get to participate This is when I get really excited. We get get to participate in the restoration of one another and of humanity and ultimately of, like, us and God and creation, all of it. We get to participate in that. Whew, okay. So... We see that this is important to Jesus. We see, we recognize some benefits. Uh, but what, why, we still resist, right, sometimes. So what is that? What is getting in the way? What is holding us back? Well, let's talk about the Silicon Valley. Culturally, we are not taught to value community over our own success, right? Our society teaches us to compete with one another, Uh, We're just trying to achieve everything that we can to get ahead. We're trying to minimize our own struggles. We're trying to be comfortable, be successful, and sort of keep it all looking good, right? Being patient or kind or compassionate or even just, like, available for someone else, it slows us down, and it feels like an inefficient use of our resources. Why should I make room for that person when I'm trying to carve out my place in the world. There are also a lot of risks involved. If you take care of your sick friend, you might get sick like the animals, right? That's a, that's a real risk. If you share too much with someone, and you don't get what you're hoping for in return, it could get painful or, or weird, right? You know what I'm talking about. okay? What if someone shares something with you that you're not ready to hear? What do you do? What if you don't have time or energy or even, like, the desire to care for someone? These are real things. There's, these are real risks. Um, I once heard someone say that, like, making room for others is kind of like inviting dysfunction into your life. Right? Why would, you, why would we want to do that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because even though it's risky and messy and uncomfortable, we as followers of Christ know that making room for one another is worth it. And for those of us who have been on you know, either end of a positive experience, you know why that's profound and meaningful. We also see it in uh, the Bible. We see that God values this practice. We see it in the Trinity because God is plural. We see it in Jesus' life, the example of the disciples, um, and we see it in the early church. I mean, talk about like things getting real weird. Things get real weird in the early church sometimes because they're like so all in each other's stuff. But that's the model that God points to, right? Okay, so these things are countercultural, they're sometimes counterintuitive. But we can challenge ourselves to practice them. Just like Stephanie talked last week about other sort of contemplative spiritual practices, and some of us like them more than others, and there's, they, we have tendencies that we lean in one direction or the other. But we know that even the things that are challenging for us can be good for us, right? So this is like that. This is one of those things. Um, Later, Seth is going to come up and talk to you a little bit about some of the ways here at Highway San Jose that we try to practice community. Um, There are opportunities here. But I bet that this is going to look really different for each one of us. I think that probably right now you might have some ideas already forming in your minds about what this might look like for you if you were to challenge yourself to make room for someone else in the next couple weeks. Um, And I just want to urge you to honor that and let God speak to you and lead you in that. So here's, here's kind of a final thought for you about why this gets me excited. And if you couldn't tell, I think I was probably asked to speak about this because I'm a people person and I get kind of excited about these things. Um, and here's why I get so excited about it. And I will tell you that this is... Andrew and I, our family is new... We came here a year ago when Highway started, Highway started, um, and you know this image of the bear and the forest friends. Like this community has really been that for us, and we are. Oh man, don't cry, don't swear. Those are my two rules that I tell myself. <laughs> uh, okay, let me take a second. Um, anyway, thanks for being the bear, and thanks for being the other animals. This has been a, This has been a place that this has been possible for us. And I just want to I want to invite and encourage any of you that feel like maybe that hasn't been your experience yet. It's here. It's here. Um, so here's what gets me excited about, about this topic. Okay. So God dwells in each person in this room in a unique way. Okay? When we follow Jesus' model of intentional, mutual human connection, we allow ourselves to receive and give to and from the living spirit inside of each of us. So this means that, like, I'm looking at Katie right now. Katie has a unique combination of God's characteristics manifest in her. So when I hang out with Katie, when I talk to Katie, I get to engage. I get to engage with the living spirit in Katie. And I get to like receive and learn new things about God and from God through kind of that unique blend that is just for her. Don't you just want to dance right now? That makes me so excited. When someone is kind or thoughtful or compassionate or generous or hospitable or funny or Thoughtful, did I say that one? Uh, these These things come from the living spirit in them. So we are all just little mini expressions of the divine getting to like roam around and talk and eat and play and cry and ask questions. We get to do it all together and we get access, direct access to God's living spirit in one another. Like, yes! Right? That's awesome! Okay, so Highway San Jose. What is this gonna look like for us? What does making room for one another look like for us? Kevin mentioned that we're coming up on our first birthday in a couple of weeks. Um, So it's a great time to reflect on kind of where we've come the last year and we get to also start dreaming up where we wanna go moving forward. So I I just wanna ask you, Are we the kind of community that can live into this value? Are we the kind of community that can make room for one another in new ways? So what does it look like? What does it look like for you to make space in your heart or in your day or in your life for someone else? Do you have some fresh energy for the person sitting next to you? Maybe there's someone that's kind of been on your radar that you've been like meaning to get coffee with for a couple of months but just sort of hasn't worked out. Maybe this is the time. Just make it happen. Just make it happen and see what God will do with that. Or maybe you, uh, you've been on the fence about joining a community group and like it didn't work out for you last year And, you know, you're thinking about it this year, but you don't have the right information or you haven't been able to work out the schedule. Like, maybe this is the year that you just commit yourself to it and see what happens and invite God to move through that. Or um, maybe you're not a people person. (laughs) Maybe you hate small talk. Maybe you're like a self-identified lone wolf, and that's totally cool. There is a whole spectrum of starting places that we all can be on, and there's room for everyone in this conversation. So maybe what it looks like for you is maybe you challenge yourself to just initiate like one conversation a week with someone and ask God to use it. Or maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum. Maybe maybe you're going through something right now and you just don't have anything to spare for anyone else. Maybe, you don't, maybe you're not in a position to give. So we honor that, and we let our community care for us in those moments, right? So invite someone to enter in with you, even if it's uncomfortable. It doesn't have to be perfect. That's not what we strive for as followers of Christ. Um, It's not gonna be convenient sometimes. It's not gonna be comfortable. I can guarantee you that it will get weird if you're doing it right. Um, But I just, I believe that we should make room. I believe that we should practice vulnerability. I believe that we should practice grace and intentionality and make space for one another to like be ourselves, to be Peters if that's who you are, because that's who I am. I think we should seize the opportunity. Let's seize the opportunity to have a shared human experience. Let's take an interest in each other's stuff. Can I get an amen, maybe? Just one? Great. All right. We're going to ask the Lord to lead us in this. Seth's going to come up and pray to close our time.
0: All right, won't you pray with me? God, we are grateful for this year that has passed. Um, it's been marvelous, it's been hard, it's been many, many things. But we can look back over this past year and we can, uh, with with gratitude, um, with an understanding that you have brought us here and brought us through this year um, for a reason. Um, that we are a church that represents your heart and your love, uh, not only to each other, but to this world. And we're grateful for the future and what it holds. And um, as we go forward, God, may you uh, challenge us, move us to become a people for each other that makes room, that moves beyond uh, just mere friendships where we say hello to one another on a Sunday and call it a day but really enter into the deep type of community that you have envisioned for your church and for this world, one which in which people are open to each other, one in which people cast aside the things that they hold on to in order to be a human to another person. And so help us to be a people that can ask the question, who can we be for each other in this room? Not just be a perfect person and present that to other people, but really be another human being, to sit with another person in their pain, in their stuff, to enter into that that moment or that time for each other with the belief that your spirit is there, that uh, entering into that type of relationship is a deeper step into Christ. And may we experience healing in that and some wholeness that you have envisioned for each and every person. And when we honor in that the spirit that, as Malia said, resides so uniquely in each and every person here, may um, the risks that we take to make room for each other um, provide this gift of experiencing your spirit um, through each person. We pray that for for this community. We ask for your guidance for your your spirit to be moving very powerfully and wonderfully for the next year or how many years you have this community together. Thank you for your love and thank you for your grace. Thank you that we're here together in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.